Today we're going to learn a bit about making bread. I know it might seem strange, but we're going to look at a time when Jesus compared bread making to the kingdom of God. A message about bread might make my gluten-free friends feel left out, like single folks having listened to a message about marriage. But bread making is actually a pretty miraculous process, and we can learn a lot from it. You mix ordinary ingredients like flour or non-wheat flour and water and yeast, and somehow it turns into food to share. In the same way, God uses ordinary people like you and me to grow his kingdom and to share his love with others. And God chooses to use it right here and right now. My hope is that we won't wait until we're meeting again in person to start, but we'll get to work today building God's kingdom. And I believe God will take whatever effort we make and grow it into something unexpected and beautiful. This summer, we've been learning from the parables of Jesus. Parables are stories Jesus taught to move us to make a decision or to do something or to act differently. They often show us what God is like and what he's doing in the world. I've chosen one of the smallest parables, often called the parable of the yeast. Jesus first told this parable to a group of his closest friends to show them how the kingdom grows. Let's listen to the parable. It's short, only two verses, but if we take our time, there's actually a lot in it. This comes from Luke chapter 13, verse 20 and 21. Jesus says, And to what should I compare the kingdom of God? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Just before telling this parable, Jesus healed a crippled woman on the Sabbath, and the religious leaders were angry about his timing. They wanted him to follow the rules the way they saw them, even if it meant not taking into consideration the needs of another person. The disciples were also not sure what to think. Jesus was doing things very differently than they expected. They must have had their doubts about him. Jesus didn't use violence or hierarchy or power to build his kingdom. Jesus used love to change the world. This short parable and the one just before it, the one about the tiny mustard seed growing into a big tree, was told by Jesus with confidence. Jesus could already see the kingdom growing, and he was trying to show that it started small, but was something that was influencing everything. It was transforming everything in secret, like a tiny seed transforms into a tree, or microscopic yeast transforms dough. Before we go on, I want to define the phrase, the kingdom of God. If we don't, we might miss what Jesus is saying. I'd like to use the definition of the kingdom of God as wherever what God wants done is done. Imagine a perfect kingdom where God rules with love and evil is altogether powerless. In some places in the New Testament, we might get the impression that the kingdom of God is some realm where we go after we die. But this isn't what Jesus is talking about here. And Jesus says this kingdom is within our reach. It's real and tangible. In Christ, the kingdom of God has broken into our world. A new way of life is now possible. Wherever love and justice, nonviolence and peace, hospitality to strangers, caring for the poor and sick, and forgiveness are practiced and shared, this is the kingdom of God. And it is as real as the bread that we eat every day. This is why Jesus used something so ordinary as bread to teach us about it. Jesus compared the kingdom of God to a woman who is working very hard preparing flour to make bread. She's taking some yeast and working it through some flour until all of it was mixed through. 
This is ordinary work that mostly women in the first century did every day. It's an earthy job, and the people listening would have understood what Jesus was talking about. They knew immediately that she was going to be using this yeast and flour to make bread. So just imagine a woman in a first century kitchen, which is probably outside in a courtyard with a large clay oven, maybe with a wooden table, a bunch of clay pots and wooden spoons, maybe a bucket of water and a lot of flour. Flour she most likely had to grind herself or at least had to walk a long way into town to buy. Jesus says the woman was working with three measures of flour. That might sound like three cups of flour, which is about what you use to make one loaf of bread, but actually three measures is about 60 pounds of flour or 432 cups, which means this woman is using enough flour to make about 150 loaves of bread. It's possible she's working with a group of other women making the bread for the entire village that day. They could have been making bread for a festival or party or just to sell in the market. Either way, baking bread in community ovens was an ordinary activity. So we have a woman taking some yeast and adding it to some flour. Here again, we need to pause and make sure we are picturing it correctly. We do know she's not using the little packet of quick rise yeast you buy at ShopRite. They obviously didn't have access to that back then. Commercial dry yeast wasn't even invented until the 1940s. So if she couldn't buy dry yeast at the store, how did she get it? Well, I can tell you she had to work hard to prepare it. Maybe you've never made bread yourself, but chances are the first time you tried was recently. At the start of the pandemic, people were making bread more than ever. It was the number one Googled recipe, along with banana bread, because I guess we all had a lot of overripe bananas. Anyway, before the pandemic, I had only made a few loaves of bread in my life. But this spring, our family started making bread, and a lot of it for that matter. My expanding waist will prove it. We got to learn firsthand all about yeast. At one point, the stores were actually out of ingredients. So we found some old expired yeast from the back of our cupboard to bake a loaf, and surprisingly, it worked. But then I decided to take it a step farther and try to make sourdough bread. I googled recipes and read my old cookbooks and found that you can make a sourdough starter from just flour and water, but it takes a long time and a lot of work. I learned that yeast is everywhere. It's in the air and in the flour. If you just leave flour and water on the counter, and if you feed it just right, eventually yeast will grow in it. And over two to three weeks time, if cared for, turns into sourdough starter. To be honest, I actually didn't quite believe it was possible to grow yeast from nothing. It seemed impossible to me. So I solved my problem with spending way too much on a tiny packet of special San Francisco sourdough starter I ordered online. Because seriously, it is the best bread. When I got my online order, I was angry to find I still had to grow it on my counter. But I fed that thing and tended to it like it was a pet. I know you can make bread almost instantly from a packet of dry yeast, but you can't make sourdough. It takes time to ferment the yeast just right. Each day, I worked hard at adding flour and water and letting it sit on my counter and grow, and then splitting it and feeding it the next day. Every single day, I cared for that thing until it was bubbling properly. After about two weeks, I finally got to use part of my starter to make my first loaf of bread. I followed the recipe and then baked it in my cast iron pot in the oven. That part was pretty simple, but I can tell you it was so good. 
We sliced it and ate it with loads of butter. According to my 10-year-old daughter, Lily, bread is all about the butter. After I made my first loaf, I saved the rest of the starter and kept splitting it and feeding it each day. I kept making more jars of starter because seriously, I did not want to start over. I felt bad throwing it out. My family was making bread almost every day, so we started calling it our daily bread. At one point, I had so many jars of starter on the counter, I started sharing it with everyone that would take it. Some people thought I was weird, but some people took it and made their own bread. It felt kind of like community building. This whole process of making sourdough starter made me realize just what the woman in the parable was doing. Making bread in the first century was not easy. You couldn't be lazy and run to the store. I also realized that the yeast she used would have been more like a messy, lumpy, yeasty dough. And this dough must have weighed about four to five pounds in order to activate this flour. Still, in comparison to 60 pounds of flour, it's still an extremely small amount of yeast. Growing yeast was something she had to do every day and consistently, or else she wouldn't have bread the next day. And if she didn't have bread, her family or community might not eat. It made me think of how creative Jesus was to compare the kingdom of God to an ordinary daily activity that anyone can do, even an unnamed woman. Jesus was being very intentional to include a woman as doing the work of the kingdom of God. This would have caught the disciples by surprise. Women in the first century were considered property, but we should never make the mistake of thinking that kingdom work is some spectacular thing only done by religious people or people in positions of power. It is for everyone. Jesus even included the kingdom of God and bread making in the prayer he taught his disciples to pray. When Jesus teaches us to say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and give us this day our daily bread, he really means just that. Give us the bread we need each day to sustain us, nothing more and nothing less, and help us bring heaven to earth. This is the kingdom of God. And this is how it grows. It is our calling as disciples, all of us, no matter what our position in life is. We don't have to wait until the pandemic is over. We can be a part of growing the kingdom of God here and now, in our kitchens, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, on Zoom calls even. God can use whatever effort, no matter how ordinary and messy, wherever we are, whether it's an organized effort or a simple act of kindness. For the rest of our time, I want to look at four facts about yeast that will challenge us to grow the kingdom of God. First, like yeast, we might not be able to see the kingdom of God, but it's here and alive and active in the world. The Holy Spirit, God's very presence, is everywhere. God's always speaking, leading, listening to our prayers, and working in the world. We still might be tempted to think that God's not doing anything, that nothing good is happening, but God's not limited by social distancing, remote meetings, or worship online. God is still working even when we can't see it. I ran into a friend last week I hadn't seen in months, and he nonchalantly told me he'd been watching our services online. Now, this is a person that has, to my knowledge, never been to our church, any church, in fact. From what I know, he was quite averse to religion. I said, really? How cool. 
I was trying to hide the shock on my face. He said, yeah, our family's been going through a really hard time. My father died in June, and we just needed some sort of encouragement. I remembered that you and your husband were pastors and wondered what your church was like, so I found it online. We've been watching every week. The talks and music have been really helpful to us. I just stood there listening with a shock look on my face and said, wow, thank you for telling me about this, and I'll be sure to pray for your family. So my first challenge is to pay attention because God is still speaking to us. This means open your ears and listen. Maybe your friend is subtly asking you to tell her about God. Don't miss it. Open your eyes. It's not hard to see where you can get involved in countless opportunities for building the kingdom. Open your heart. When you feel sad or joyful, angry but courageous, God speaks to us through our feelings and gives us opportunities to move in the right direction. And continue to pray that you would see where the kingdom is alive and active in the world because God is working everywhere. Now second, like yeast, the kingdom of God grows when you consistently feed it. When I was making my homegrown yeast, there was a day that I forgot to feed my little pet. Our family was away from the house that day. When we got home, the kitchen smelled like a brewery. You see, when yeast is left to its own devices, it literally eats up all of the flour in the jar, converting the sugars into carbon dioxide, which is the lovely bubbles that make the bread rise, but also the sugars are converted to alcohol. When yeast is left unfed for too long, the alcohol eventually kills the yeast entirely. To keep it from dying, you have to throw out most of it and almost start over. So if you want the kingdom of God to continue to grow in your life, you have to feed it each day. You can't forget about it and expect it to grow on its own. Ask yourself honestly, is your relationship with God getting fermented? Have you left it alone for too long without feeding it? God's not going to coerce you. Because he loves you deeply, he allows you a lot of time and freedom. But he's always there waiting for you to come to him, to spend time with him, to learn from him. And in this way, you are feeding the kingdom of God in your life. So my second challenge, feed the kingdom of God in your life each day, and you'll see it grow. Practically, start today. Schedule time with God in your calendar, even if it's just 15 minutes a day. Make yourself a cup of coffee or tea if you're like me. Pick a quiet, comfortable place without your phone or laptop. Maybe light a candle if you're into that. Say a quick prayer and settle yourself. And then either just sit in silence and listen, or you can get a journal and write your thoughts and feelings and prayers down. It's good also to open a Bible and read a bit each day. Maybe it's just a psalm or a chapter of Proverbs that matches the day of the month, or a story of Jesus in the Gospels. God uses his word to speak to us. And then maybe end your time with a short prayer or a prayer for others. If anything, this parable teaches us that you can start small, but feed your relationship with God each day, and you'll see the kingdom of God grow as you continue to feed it. When you create space for God to work, it's amazing to watch your faith and courage and creativity and love for others expand and grow. This is the kingdom of God working in your life, 
And when you're filled up to overflowing, you'll be able to share the kingdom with others. Which leads me to my third fact about yeast. Like yeast, the kingdom of God is for sharing with others. The woman in this parable didn't use the yeast to make enough bread for herself. She was mixing enough yeast and flour for her whole village. Jesus is trying to show us that the kingdom is for sharing. My third challenge, share God's kingdom with others. What does this look like practically? It's as simple as sharing a loaf of bread or a meal with someone. It's listening to a friend having a hard time and then praying for them. It's sharing the stage so someone else can have a voice. It's showing up to middle school group on a Thursday night to shoot water balloons out of a winger. Or maybe it's giving away your stuff and your money to help someone who's in need. Maybe it's giving your kids a screen-free day so they can actually hear their own thoughts and make something creative. It's listening to another person that disagrees with you politically and trying really hard to understand their point of view without trying to change them. Maybe it's sharing your knowledge of the Bible with a new believer. It looks like ordinary acts of kindness and love done each day, and it will look differently for each person. I have a fourth and final thought about yeast. Like yeast, the kingdom of God will one day permeate everyone and everything. Jesus adds one tiny detail in this parable that we might miss if we don't listen carefully. Jesus has the woman working the yeast into the flour until all of it was leavened. It points to the fact that one day, God's going to come back and heaven and earth will finally be brought together. One day, nothing will be left untouched by the love of God. In this kingdom, there will be no tears, no pain, and no death. Everyone will have what they need. When Jesus returns, his kingdom will come and his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This hope is what fuels us to keep working toward this goal. What we start now will continue in eternity. So my last challenge, stay hopeful. God's love is going to permeate everything one day. I want to leave you this morning by reminding you of four challenges for growing the kingdom of God. Pay attention. God is all around us, alive and active in the world. You'll see it if you look. Feed it. Spend time with God each day and feed your relationship with prayer and God's word. Share it with others. Find somewhere today to share God's kindness and goodness with those around you. And stay hopeful. God's never going to give up on you. He'll be with you and his love will win in the end. If we do these things with God's help, we will be participating in helping God's kingdom grow. This is what the world needs, and this is what God has made us for. Let's pray. God, thank you for each person listening today. I pray that each one of us would be inspired to grow the kingdom of God, first in our lives and then in the world. Help our church be a community of people who share the kingdom with others. And God, we especially thank you that you are always with us, empowering us and giving us just what we need each day. We love you, God, and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.